0: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company,
1: Golden, Colorado. Blue
0: Iron. With the second pick in the 2017 NFL Draft, the Chicago Bears select... Mitchell Trubisky. Trubisky stepping up, fires and the sideline, Robinson makes the catch. From the Raiders to the Bears, Khalil Mack, now officially in Chicago. Lockdown, Khalil Mack.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Chicago Shuffle. I am your host, Zach Lee. It is week seven, the Bears, the Saints, they just finished what you could call a game of NFL football, I'm not sure. I am joined by my... Frequent guest, uh, co-host, frequent something, Ricky O'Donnell. Ricky, how are you feeling?
0: I feel terrible, Zach. I feel like (laughs) that was the type of game that makes you not want to watch the team the rest of the season. It makes you think about next year instead of next week. It makes you wonder... Where does this team go from here in terms of the current front office, the current head coach, the current quarterback? Do they need a total restart? These are the things I'm thinking after the Bears fell to 3-3 three and three against the Saints. That game was that depressing that it it's hard for me to even think logically about the next steps for this season because it feels like the entire year, Zach, just slipped right through our fingertips.
1: The thing is, and this is like a little bit of a a peek behind the curtain, we'd had a plan for what we were going to talk about today. It was going to be individual plays, uh, people who performed well, ones that didn't. We shit-canned all of that, just like the Bears just shit-canned their season with this ridiculous game. So, Ricky, before we even get into it, there's like an emotional element to this. Just like, take me through your feelings and get it out. Get it out, because we're going to have to get into the minutia of this, and I have some anger to dispel. Like, Let me just give you the favor of doing it first
0: there's so many fucking problems it's like Trubisky and Nagy are kind of like a chicken and an egg situation right now it's like do you blame do you blame Trubisky for being so bad that Nagy no longer has the ability to call the offense he wants to call or do you blame Nagy for not being able to put Trubisky in a position to succeed whatever the answer to that question is it's a failure all the way around I think Nagy and Trubisky both had nothing but green grass in front of them coming into this season right last year they totally exceeded expectations last year all their success was straight gravy this year you had the burden of expectations you had a foundation to build upon and it's totally gone to hell <laughs> from the very start so the fact that they can't move the ball on offense whatsoever through the passing game is a major issue they do not trust their running game be it the offensive line be it the running backs to move the ball on the ground whatsoever so they have no foundation for the offense and then the defense is what is truly a bummer to me because it's like coming into that Raiders game I felt like you could hang your hat on the front seven of the Bears getting consistent pressure they got manhandled at the line of scrimmage on both ends of the ball against Oakland in London and once again against the Saints I didn't see Leonard Floyd do anything. I didn't see Khalil Mack have the type of flash plays we expect from him. I saw a team that is desperately missing Akeem Hicks and that we thought they'd be able to make up with it with their depth on the defensive line. That hasn't come to fruition either. I'm looking at a player like Roquan Smith being like, where is he at now after everything he's gone through this year? Is he someone we can still count on in the future? Because... I'm watching that game today and being like, they should put in Kwiatkowski. At least he can stop the run. Latavius Murray's running all over him. Uh, It was a total failure from the Bears in all three phases of the game. I think it starts with Nagy. It starts with Trubisky. But every single unit on this team is culpable. And uh, it's the type of loss that already has me thinking about next year in the future because it was just that depressing.
1: The Bears, uh, statistically for the game on defense, one sack, two tackles for loss, Four QB hits. That's a home game with one of the best fronts in football that's just not going to get it done. And especially if the Bears are going to be who they are on offense and to a lesser degree on special teams, there's no fucking chance to win a football game given what they are. At this point, you have to say that the Bears have the worst offense in football. Oh, God. So, like, I'm just going to say that out loud and let it sit.
0: Do you disagree with that? Bro, like, they ran the ball seven times for 17 yards in seven? a home game, in a, yep. basically a must-fucking-win in the middle of the season. We called it that. I'm going to yeah. try not to swear the rest of this podcast, Zach, but I am fired up about this yeah. game because it really felt like a make-or-break game for the Bears season. I thought that you know the Oakland game was that, to an extent, the opportunity to go 4-1, pissing that away. And now you have this game against the Saints – where again, the Saints were going without Breeze, without Alvin Kamara, one of the best weapons in the NFL, without their starting tight end, Cook. They had no excuse to lose this game at Soldier Field, and they lost it in the most comprehensive way possible.
1: It's a complete and total bedshitting. I appreciate that you don't want to swear the rest of this podcast. I'm going to pick up the slack for you. That was a diarrhea diaper filling of the highest order. It was a three-phase failure by the team. And look, there are. If you look at the final score, you go like, yeah, well, there's one to grow on. There's nothing to grow yeah. on in this one. There's two garbage touchdowns at the end of this game and then the, a Cordero Patterson run back that made it seem more competitive than it was. This looks more like a 36-3, 36-6 type game. That's what happened in this game. The Saints pull, pulled the dogs off late in the fourth quarter, just let garbage yards go up. So don't look at that final score and think there's anything positive to, to glean from any of this. At this point... I'm putting this at the feet of Matt Nagy first and you know he's the head coach of the football team Trubisky has regressed extensively not just in his command of the offense but in his footwork in his confidence in how he sees the field in pretty much every aspect of quarterbacking he's taken a huge step back and even non-factors of quarterbacking as a runner uh, he looks completely lost bound up not a football player that you want on the field and I think you know, we had a couple texts around halftime where Chase Daniel is not a good football player, but he gives the Bears a hell of a lot better chance to win at this point in his his career, and that that would be fine in and of itself. It'd be one thing if it was Rex Grossman as our quarterback and everything else is working. Okay. And if only, but that's not what's going on. Schematically, this is a failure as a running team. This is a failure. There's all these different aspects of what Nagy is there to do, which is command the offense. And there's really nothing you can point to where you go, Oh, well, you know, if this one thing locks into place, no, they look disorganized. There's not a plan. What is this team's offensive identity besides bad at this point in time?
0: And Trubisky said that after the game too. Like we have no identity right now. We have no foundation for success. The offensive line is terrible. We've known that the entire season. The offensive line has been, you know, probably the most disappointing unit on the team, I would say, throughout the year. They don't trust the quarterback at all. I said on the last podcast that one of my biggest issues with this team was that Neggy seems to be coaching scared after the playoff loss to the Eagles last year. Well, I still believe that, and it's tough to sort of discern where the fault lies between him and Trubisky, but it falls on both of them, ultimately. It's like, if your starting quarterback needs to have the playbook scaled back from him in the preseason when he was the starter for, what, 14 games last year, heading into his third season, that is a major indictment on Trubisky. And to me, it's a major indictment on Nagy, too, for believing that I my genius system is isn't good enough to put this guy in a position to succeed. And if that's the case, then they should have cut ties with him even before this year ever began.
1: Well, that's the thing. There's two aspects to it. One is the scheme that they're running on the field, and the second is their ability to coach up players. And if their coaching up of this very raw product is is going to be what we saw on the field today, then that's a massive failure, uh, and really what he was brought in to do. The offensive system is one thing, but it's about developing this quarterback into one that the Bears can have as a franchise QB, you know for a decade or 15 years and at this point in time the real conversation is what are the bears going to do this off season to bring in competition at the position oh, God. because mister Biscay is not the guy right now
0: dude whatever they did with the kicker competition this off season, and they were the laughing stock of the entire league for what they did with the kickers uh bringing them in to make them all take 43 yard kicks having no noise so, just dead silence when those guys were kicking, bringing in what, eight, 10, 12 guys to compete for the job. They should do that with quarterback next I year. totally, These I next... actually,
1: I thought this earlier this year. I was like, let's have an eight quarterback competition and let's see who's ready to go. Because Eddie De Niro is the man, actually, game ball Eddie De Niro. You're the one guy besides Allen Robinson, that I can be like, yeah, man, you brought it. Like, everything you did, two onside kicks, made his field goals. Like, that guy actually played a hell of a game. So, hooray, we have a kicker. Somehow, somehow, in the ma- in, a, in a matter of six weeks, we've managed to regress into the Bears team we've always known, which is a stout defense that, you know, if given no help, can fall apart, uh, a, a kicking team, a kicking game that's quite good, a punt returner we really like, and an offense that, that seems like it'd be one thing to say that it's bad. It'd be another thing to say that it's regressed. It doesn't look like a functional unit. It looks like they've pulled people out of the stands to try to coordinate a game. And I know we've seen it. We've seen that they've done it in the past. So it's really hard for me to wrap my mind around how things can snowball to the point that they're at right now, where it seems like every single person taking that side of the field is incompetent.
0: The year it reminds me of is 2004 when they had Craig Crenzel, Jonathan Quinn, and I believe that was Grossman briefly. Uh, That's just right. Just a disaster. It's like they have no confidence in themselves to move the ball, and it's almost like they're playing to just get lucky and like hit a lottery, hit a raffle ticket, and get rich quick. That was, in my opinion, sort of the thought process behind the Patterson signing. It's like Cordell Patterson isn't going to give you consistent production. Every uh, front office, every head coach in the league thinks they can make him a contributor on offense as a running back, as a wide receiver. That's not going to happen. But Patterson did give you a chance to get back in this game today. When the Bears were getting manhandled at the start of this game, that Patterson kick return was a godsend, Zach. And if they didn't oh have God. that, this would have been this game would have been buried a lot sooner than it was. This was still a two-point game heading into the third quarter for the majority of the third quarter. Uh, but it's smoke and mirrors. Their success in this game, when you look at their 25 points, as you uh, said st- at the start of this podcast, garbage time touchdowns, kick return, it, there's just nothing to hang your hat on. For this Bears team, it's like, what do they fall back on? It's not the offense. David Montgomery, I have to say, has been a major disappointment. And I don't totally want to blame him. He did fumble in this game. You'll notice that when the Bears tried to run the ball early in the game, Miller fumbles right away. It's like, why Uh, the hell are you pitching the ball to your wide receiver instead uh, of your second-round running back? I'm so tired of the gimmick
1: offense, bro. I'm so tired of... Hey, we can get Cordell Patterson in there, and he's going to take a direct snap in the Wildcat. Oh, cool. That was a yard. I mean, David Montgomery had one touch in the in the first half, and it's not like he deserved a whole hell of a lot more, but look, the Bears are a gimmick offense, and it's a shitty gimmick at this point in time. Like, if the gimmick works, and it did a lot early last season, and that's where the early momentum came for this team, because nobody really had seen it before, as soon as the league schemed it up, and there was some talk about this late last season that around like weeks 10, 11, 12, that the, that the league had sort of figured out what Nagy was trying to do, and the Bears weren't self scouting enough to kind of work off of that. At this point in time, again, you know, there's a lot of opportunity for overreaction and a loss this horrific, but it does seem like there's an opportunity for the Negi regime to be a flash in the pan in the way that Trustman was. Now, I don't expect. The difference between Trustman and Nagy at this moment in time is that Nagy doesn't seem like the kind of guy who's going to lose control of the locker room. And trustman absolutely did. There were a number of guys on the team that weren't necessarily high-character guys that exacerbated that. So I, I want the comparison to stop at the scheming. But once the early... It's almost like, you know, uh, when a... a I mean, it's a weird analogy, but like in baseball, they bring up a a rookie, right? And he's just on fire for his first month in the league. And then all of a sudden they've got tape on him and they scout him and they find a pitch that he can't hit. And all of a sudden he's on like a, you know, an over 21 streak. And that's what the bears feel like right now is that they figured out what pitch that uh, the bears can't hit. And man, it is just whiffs left, right, and center. Following a team you love in 2019 can be time consuming. Trying to follow everything happening in sports is almost impossible. Scrolling through every app and visiting every website on a daily basis is impossible. That's why I subscribe to Axios Sports, the best free daily newsletter in the land. Axios Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox. When you sign up for free at sports.axios.com, you'll get the best stories from the NBA and NFL to cricket and ping pong and everything in between. Axios Sports also highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed. It's super simple to sign up and it's free sports.axios.com Not only will you be caught up, you'll be the friend sharing an amazing link with your buddies. Join the 100,000 sports fans who get caught up on the day before it even begins. And best of all, there's no paywall, no subscription fee, nothing. This is free, curated sports content delivered directly to you. Sign up at sports.axios.com Again, try for free at sports.axios.com
0: There were so many plays in this game that just broke my back. There was the play where Mitch airmailed Anthony Miller. It would have been six. Uh, It was about a 20-yard fly route down the right seam. I believe that was on third down. If he hits that, it's a totally different game. They had another third and two, I believe, late in the second quarter. Where they were moving the ball a little bit, they end up running an RB screen to Cohen, which.
1: That ha- didn't have a shot. It didn't have a shot.
0: No chance. And that was such a bad play call. I mean, anyone who's played Madden 2005 knows that, you know, run a quick slant, run something to the flats. Do not run a play where, you know, the whole defense gets to, you know, charge up through the middle of the field. I thought that that was a terrible call that never had a chance to succeed, as you said. Uh, the, where is
1: where is the jet sweep? Where is the wheel route? Where is uh, where is any sort of inside running game? Where is a where is a counter play? Where is anything that tries to like negate the flow of the defense?
0: It's not to be found this season. And you know, I wonder if Negi just doesn't trust Trubisky to you know breathe the field to make throws downfield over ten yards in the air. Or if it's that those routes are open and Mitch can't find it. You raised the point on an earlier podcast we did. No quarterback has ever made you want to watch the All-22 film more than Mitch Trubisky. And I don't want to lay it all on his feet. I don't even think his career is like 100% a lost cause at this point. But his time as a Bears starter, it's like they need to bring in competition at that position. And I think the plan for the Bears in terms of their team building was to find a rookie-scale quarterback and then invest in everyone else around him. So we saw the Rams do that last year with Goff on his rookie contract. That's obviously what the pattern the Bears were trying to follow. Russell Wilson did it too with the Seahawks back in the day. But if you're not getting any production out of the quarterback and the offensive line was a, a readiest unit that they weren't heavily investing in, those guys have totally gone down the drain. It's just garbage, man. It feels like the whole season's over after this game. And now I would say they were 3-3 three and three last year, if you remember that, Zach.
1: I do but, remember that, where they had the easiest schedule in the league going forward, right. and they're the, the opposite this year. Yeah. So here's the thing, you know, and that, you know, again, there's no excuses one can make for what this game was and how it looked. If you look at the Saints, they're playing incredible football on both sides of the ball, uh, and, and, and in specialty. Their special teams are, you know, arguably top three in the league. And we were, I was talking to our guys on the Saints podcast about that. They're like, yeah, there's a lot to like about it. So that kind of knew that coming in that there was a lot of threat that would be on that side of the ball. But, um, you know, credit to them for being able to go on the road and just whip the Bears in the trenches. And I think we need to talk about the defense. Uh, was this just like a, a one-game aberration? This is two straight games now where they've gotten – my concern is about the run game. Like, they're getting gashed in the run game. First downs are becoming second and fives, second and fours, and we're seeing it again and again. And is that all Akeem Hicks? I'd like to think that Roquan Smith hasn't been in the right gaps, hasn't been a stout player at this point uh, of the season. I, again, it's about looking at film and understanding exactly what the schemes dictate, but Teddy Bridgewater is no great shakes. He's really not. Uh, I, I think he's a, a very solid game manager and an ideal backup. He's 23 of 38 for 281 yards and a 7.4 average. Two TDs, no interceptions, sacked once, a 100 rating. That cannot happen to this Bears defense at Soldier Field. So, for you know, we talk about Mitch, we talk about the offense. There's just a laundry list of things you can go into if the defense is going to start slipping like this, then where are the bears?
0: Yeah, that was my main takeaway from this game. The front seven, which I thought was the one area the Bears could hang their hat on, just hasn't been generating consistent pressure the last two games. Leonard Floyd, I mean, what has he done this year? It's like this guy has everything going for him in terms of Mac on the other side, attracting most of the defensive pressure. He's been in the league a few years now. He's had some time to feel out NFL play, but just such a disappointment to me and then Mack, you know, for the second game in a row, really didn't make an impact. I thought Belial Nichols made some plays early in the game, but he did, you know, not, not enough impact from the defensive line. Eddie Goldman is another one. We haven't been praising him too much this year, where last year he really stood out, uh, you know, throughout the whole season. And you just look at, you know, the leaders and tackles, it's basically the entire secondary or all the coverage linebackers. It's just, an automatic sign that, This team is struggling. They're playing from behind. And any time the Saints needed yards, man, it was like a 15-yard dig route to Michael Thomas, who would turn it into 20 or 25. And the Bears had no prayer of stopping it.
1: They really didn't. And the thing that, like, sticks out to me is just the lack of playmaking. You know, look, Eddie Jackson last year was a revelation. That's a first-team All-Pro and you just knew that when the Bears needed a big play, it was going to be him. Haha Clinton Dix was brought in to be the same kind of guy, a ball hawk that could find the ball when it, you know, when it came his way. There there are so many playmakers on this defense, and for them to get rolled over all day in this very classic, you know, pre fangio, pre-MAC uh, way, where they couldn't get any pressure up front and there were just soft yards to be had in the secondary all day long. It's actually kind of terrifying. Again, this was not Aaron Rodgers. This wasn't Patrick Mahomes. This wasn't anybody of any sort of Pro Bowl ilk. This was Teddy Bridgewater, who had nobody in his face all day, dropped back to pass, and found open receivers running across the field. So uh, that is a a massive alarm. And again, it's one game. You, You don't want to write an epitaph based on that because so many things can change week to week in the NFL. But the Bears, after coming off of a bye and a real kick in the dick, you thought they were going to come out with, you know, hey, the resolve. And I... That was one of the biggest surprises for me, you know, getting away from the schematics of things is historically, and it's a short history, in the Nagy era, when they when they would lose one, you know, the the Giants overtime game, um You know, the even week one against the Packers last season, they came back with a really strong resolve the next one, like a mental fortitude and kind of got back to work and, you know, showed themselves to be a quality team. And for them to have the game in London, two weeks to prep for this one, no Camara, no Breeze, no Jared Cook, that is just one of the all time bad showings. And you wonder what that means for the team's confidence going forward.
0: Yeah, man. It's just all bad all the way around. And I'm looking at the rest of the schedule this year. Yeah. You got the Chargers next week in week eight. I mean, that's a game where if the Bears lose, it feels like literally so that's lo- the season's over.
1: Yeah, that's loser leads leaves town right there. So the char- let's talk about that because God knows we need to move on. Who, who would want to listen to us just wretch about this anymore? So the Chargers are 2-5, and five, lost one of the most inexplicable losses. I think they had first and goal and then scored a touchdown and it was called back and then had uh like a dpi to put them back on the one and then ran the ball and fumbled and lost the game at the one yard line. It was
0: unreal.
1: Yeah, I mean like I I I I'm not glad the Bears lost the way they did, but at least you can't feel like man, it was in our grasp. This was the Chargers gave away another game. So, they're 2 and 5. The Bears are somehow 3 and 3 and feel like they're 0 and 9. It's yeah. a weird feeling. But uh whatever whatever team loses that game, you have to say their season is more or less over because the bears are in a division with the six and one Packers, uh, the Vikings look real being real. The bears are the worst team in the NFC North. Yeah. And that is an incredible statement. Seven weeks into the 2019 season coming off of a 12 and four season, an easy division win and uh, nearby it's such an incredible turnaround. So, Yeah, if they can somehow find a way to beat the Chargers at home, no guarantees of any sort. That's going to be a dogfight. Phil Rivers can still throw the ball. The Chargers find a way to be there at the end. If they can find a way to do that and be four and three, you look at what's next. They go to Philadelphia to play the Eagles. The Lions come to town. All of a sudden, the Lions feel like a very competent team. The Rams come. uh, The Bears go to L.A. to play the Rams. There's not a quote-unquote easy game again until uh the new york giants the week before thanksgiving so um yeah you can't look at the schedule and be like oh there's some relief because right now if you look at the bears there's no team that you should expect to beat given that you're the worst offense in the league
0: yeah there's just so many issues it's like they're not—the hor- Bears aren't a terrible team, but they're almost worse than that in that they're average without a first-round pick. <laughs> so you can't even talk yourself into, like, well, maybe they can get into James Herbert or Tua. It's like, no, they're going to be, for the most part, kind of capped out moving forward because Max making over $20 million a year. I still think that was a good deal, but his deal really kicks in next season, his extension. And it's going to limit your flexibility, obviously, when you're paying one player such a significant percentage of the salary cap. You're going to have to make some kind of decision on Trubisky. Maybe you use that Raiders' second-round pick on a quarterback. But I don't even want to be having these discussions right now. What I want to talk about is the Bears being a team that can win the division. They can go into the playoffs and make some noise. But we just haven't seen it this year. The offensive line has been such a disaster. They can't run whatsoever. Trubisky just gives me no confidence. And at this point, you have to wonder is Nagy going to be the guy leading them into the future? Uh, You know, I I still think they're probably going to win seven games, seven or eight games, which is, if you remember, that's what Sports Illustrated predicted they would win coming Mm -hmm. into the season. Local Mm -hmm. radio flipped out about that because in the city, everyone thought the Bears were, you know, a team that overachieved last year. They had one of the youngest cores in the league. A lot of continuity coming back. There was basically no excuse from an outsider's perspective for the Bears not to take a next step up and to keep evolving and to keep getting better. But in reality, you look at it and it's like, man, last year, everything was just going right on the defensive end. They had no injuries. They were able to maximize Trubisky. And that really seemed like it was their chance. And then at this point, it's like the whole team just seems to have broken confidence after six weeks. Seven I weeks. mean,
1: last year kind of reminds me a little bit, and again, you know, this is like very rapid reaction, but remember the Jim Miller 13-3 and three year? Oh, I love that year. Yeah, it was a great year. We're like, ah, oh, we just can't lose. It's just every game just feels like, you know, we'll find a way and good defense that and solid run. And yeah, I mean, it was just incredible. So I really hope that's not what last year was. But, <sighs> the yes, the extra kind of sting on all this is that the Bears have – two second round picks a fifth round pick two sixth and a seventh next year so there's no there's not a lot of help coming they are capped out they have spent their money to be contenders this year and next year that is the window for the current bears team and You know, they're not in a position to really flip the roster in any great way. Obviously, Kyle Long has played his last game as a Chicago Bear. Charles Leno is locked up for long term. Cody Whitehair locked up long term. James Daniels, three more years on his rookie deal. Bobby Massey locked up again. So that's the offensive line, and that's the offensive line that can't run the ball. What are the Bears going to do? Even like Not even on the field. From a GM roster-building point of view, what do you do when your best-laid plans all of a sudden – don't work anymore it, it Ryan Pace has his work cut out for
0: him yeah and Zach you'll know this just from us texting about the team talking about the team uh, over the last probably six seven years at this point I was pretty much out on the Bears during the John Fox phase mm. the John Fox era it was hard for me to follow the team because they just felt so completely hopeless and I really really pray that we're not entering another phase like that right now because You know, you got the hardest schedule in football remaining, I guess, by the numbers. There are some winnable games there. I think they God, they got to be able to beat the Chargers next week at home. But, you know, after watching this performance, it's like, who can they beat after they just played like that? All your confidence is shaken as a fan. And I'm sure it's that way for the coaching staff and for the players.
1: You know, I am going to try to turn a little bit positive just for a second. I'm looking at the Chargers and the injuries they incurred in this game. They have like seven players left. I've never seen the number of injuries happened to one team so consistently. And this year is like somehow worse than ever. So they lost Forrest Lamp today to an injury. He was carted off. Who is left on that team to even play? So look, I there's no excuses. Uh, the Bears have to win next week. They had to win this week, frankly, given what their schedule is going forward. Not to mention the fact that Patrick Mahomes is going to miss playing against the Packers. He's going to miss playing against the Vikings, but he will be back in time to play against the Bears. So look, it's just one of those seasons where it seems like every single thing that happens is going against the Bears thus far. And that's the exact opposite of what happened last year. But The Bears have to find a way to feel good about themselves in winning against the Chargers. It's not enough to just eke out the game. They've got to feel good and build a little bit of confidence going into their next game, which will be against Philadelphia, who, you know, right now are playing the Cowboys uh, and still are a really viable offensive team, even though they have their own injuries. So, um I don't know, man. Uh, it's it's really hard to say what it is the Bears need to do. You get the sense that, you know, against the Chargers, it's going to be one of those ones where they just come hell or high water, they're going to run the ball 30 times and just see what happens. And that's sort of what happened against, uh, I want to say it was the Redskins. Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, the Redskins were a team you could get right with, and all of a sudden, you know, Trubisky threw the ball a little bit. Taylor Gabriel had three touchdowns, and you're like, all right, you know, we got something here. Like, there's a lot of good feelings. We got a strip sack. Like, it, it's back, baby. Um, and they need one of those really bad. So it's it's one thing to play and play okay next week, but it'll be at home. I think, I think Trubisky's first incomplete pass is going to bring the Boo Birds out. That's the other thing. And this is something I was thinking about during the game. I saw a tweet by, uh, I believe it was um, Patrick Pearson. I don't want to say that out loud. I'm not sure, but... Basically, he said that, you know, in speaking with Nagy leading up to this game, that the Bears were really trying hard to make sure that the the game plan made sense for Trubisky and to Trubisky because they were reminded of the time he took away and the way that he played coming back against the Rams last year, where he threw three picks. I think he had 17 completions for 110 yards and tried his damnedest to give it away. It just so happened that the Bears defense wasn't going to allow it and they won 15 to six. Uh, with Goff throwing four picks. So the difference between that game and this game is the Bears' defense wasn't up to snuff and the Saints ran it all over them. But uh, they knew. They knew going into this game that Trubisky is a reps guy. He he has to be in rhythm. He has to be in his best form to succeed in any sort of way. So they were just as afraid as you and I were going in that he wasn't going to be able to do it. And if that's what you're working with as a quarterback, like how... How can you even try to formulate a game plan for a victory? Indochino was founded on the belief that you don't need to spend a fortune on a custom wardrobe. I don't know if you've ever had a custom suit made for you before, but it's a total game changer. Whether you're at a friend's wedding or an event or at the office, the difference between an off the rack suit And wearing what looks like a beach towel versus having one that's cut to measure is a total game changer. It'll change the way you look, change the way you feel, and it'll change the way other people see you. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more, and everything is made to your exact measurements so it fits great. The process is simple. You just choose your fabric, pick your customizations, and submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. Then you can get measured and design a suit at your nearest Indochino showroom or do it all yourself online at Indochino.com. So start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering BlueWire at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com, promo code BLUEWIRE, for thirty dollars off your total purchase of three hundred and ninety nine dollars or more, an incredible deal for made to measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit.
0: What it really reminds me of is Tressman's second year after the bye week. That year they were still like kind of in the playoff picture, and they played Akreed Bay after the bye week. I want to say they were down forty eight nothing at halftime of that game, or forty two nothing. Ah, yes. <laughs> it was a total blowout. This was like the low point of the Cutler Forte Brandon Marshall era. And I was just getting throwbacks to that because it was hopeless. It was like any this game should have been so much worse than the final score <laughs> indicated, too. It's like, oh, my God, the yeah. Saints should have ran back that kick. That was kind of a bogus holding penalty. I thought towards the end of the half. So this that, is the
1: worst Bears loss in two to three years. Yes.
0: God, there's so many. I mean, let's talk about the worst Bears losses of all time. Okay, let's. Uh, that game where T- – I mean, the fact that it was Tebow is just putting <laughs> fucking salt in the wound. But that game – Is that the Marion Barber, Barber game? The Marion Barber game, of course. The yeah. Marion Barber yeah. game, Tebow, Matt Prater hit two 60-yard kicks – that I game broke my phone that game. That game physically yeah. burned my skin. Another yeah, I, game yeah. that's coming up, I believe this was maybe Orton era. Correct me if I'm wrong on this. But they played the Falcons in the Dome in Atlanta. And the Falcons basically won a game like the Bears won against the Broncos this year. Where they just rallied back at the end. Where they should have been buried. Kicked a long field goal at the end and won. And then basically every Packers game that's ever existed, I'm remembering... That game I just brought up after the bye week and Trustman's last year against the Packers. I'm remembering Cutler's first start against the Packers when I think he threw like five interceptions that Was game. that against the
1: 49ers? Uh, yeah, I think I remember that. Okay, yeah. So uh, I, I got one for you. Uh, let's see. Uh, the Bears are 8-7. and seven. They're going uh, to Green Bay. Oh, no, they're yeah. at home. They're at home. They need to win, and they're in the playoffs. They'll send Green Bay home, and Chris Conte blows the coverage for a game-winning score. And uh, yeah, uh, they lose 33-28. So that one sticks in my mind. Um, a number of games from the Fox era stick in my mind, but they didn't matter. It was like Matt Barkley and the roster was shit. And they were uh, games where they were competitive. You're like, yay, but please lose because we're hunting for draft picks. So you're talking about, you know, the year is when we cared. When Cutler was new to the team. And we had talked ourselves into the possibility of having a really good quarterback. And I think that's where we are now, which is we stupidly put our hearts back on the line for this team, given what happened last year. And so shame on us for having these expectations. Like, sometimes... This is just what the Bears are, and it's so strange to fall into this trap again and again of we're never going to have a quarterback, we'll always have a good defense, and we're always going to be disappointed with what we see on the field. But that was a terrible display of football. It's one thing to lose and not have adequate quarterback play. That's kind of not what this was. This was inadequate offense all the way across the board. Every single player on the field, and you like— like, it's the kind of thing where you feel bad for wide receivers or skill position guys because you're like, man, if they were just on a team that could get the ball out, if they're just on a team that could block correctly, like this dude would be lighting it up and would be a multimillionaire next year. Allen Robinson, God bless the guy, he's never had a good quarterback. He came from Jacksonville in the Bortles era to Chicago in the Trubisky era, and that guy is absolutely nails. You put him on a good team, you put him on a team. like If he's on Green Bay, that is a pro bowler, my friend.
0: Yeah, he could be a pro bowler in a lot of places. Allen Robinson – and Pinero were really the only two positives from this game. I love that Trubisky was consistently targeting Robinson, especially in the beginning of the game. I think it was something like 11 of Trubisky's first 16 or 17 passes went to Robinson, which I love because that's something that you know you have seen with the Saints, with Michael Thomas. I see it all the time with the Chiefs where they're only throwing to Hill and Kelsey. Yeah, throw it to your best weapon. So I think that that was smart to get it to Robinson. He had a great catch towards the sideline at the end of the first half, or maybe the middle of the first half, where he just didn't get the drag foot in. We've seen him uh, yeah. do it so many other times. Then he had another one where he dove and it hit him in the hands, but it would have been like a totally like laid-out horizontal catch. Trubisky finally threw a pass that Allen Robinson couldn't catch, basically.
1: That's the thing. Like Both of those passes, while they were in the area, were not good passes. Like. You know, Robinson had to leap into the air and fingertip, fingertip, almost grab a ball, like coming back against his own his own momentum to try to get that one. And the one on the sideline, like it was supposed to be a back shoulder, it was really far outside. And you know, these it's a game of inches. If he gets that toe down, then it's a great throw. I get it, but you know, he's consistently. It's not like like there's one throw he can make at this point, which is. uh, A curl, a curl route that's kind of right in front of him, like that can be accurate. But anything with any sort of touch, anything on the perimeter, anything that's not you know, uh, right in front of him, single read, just kind of go right for it. It's an inaccurate pass. Uh, I don't really know how we got here with Mitch Trubisky. I, I I seem. I seem to remember him coming out in the draft and them espousing not just his accuracy but his internal clock, getting things out on time, getting them to playmakers, getting them in space, being able to be an anticipatory thrower. I'm not seeing any of that, and that's the part where it falls at the feet of Matt Nagy is – you, this is, you've got to grow this guy. This guy is a raw product. He's a one-year starter. It's, a, it's incumbent upon you to put him in a position to win. And if you look across the aisle at somebody like Patrick Mahomes, who at it, it, Texas Tech was known to be a uh, sandlot player, off-schedule throws, put a lot of things up that shouldn't have been put up, he's always making the right read. And a, a lot of that credit goes to him, but Andy Reid schemes the game up in a way that – allows Mahomes to succeed when Nagy is out here running Tariq Cohen uh, into the line. And Let's talk about uh, our good friend Hyphen, who only does horizontal things. I I really am tired of Tariq Cohen. Nine catches for 19 yards. How do you do that? Is that possible? Is it actually physically possible to average 2.1 yards per catch? I've never actually seen that before. Nine for 20. (laughs) Nine for 19 is what Tariq did and I again and again catch the ball, start running backwards. I don't, I don't really know how you know. I, I think at a certain point, and that we're reaching this point with a lot of young talent on this team, you can't coach something out of a guy. And I'm wondering if Tariq Cohen isn't going to be able to take to coaching when it comes to his vision to getting north-south, to seeing the gaps and squirting through them, because he has the athleticism to get huge gains down the field. He's just always looking to get to the perimeter.
0: I want more out of Montgomery. To me, Cohen is sort of a gimmick player, and Cohen was a foundational piece for the Bears last year, but at his size, it's just hard to consistently rely on him. I feel like we've seen that this year. Uh, Montgomery, to me, is a big disappointment. I really thought Montgomery could be one of the best rookies in the NFL this season, and He certainly hasn't come close to meeting those expectations. So I want to spin this conversation forward a little bit, Zach, Mm. because we can only talk about how painful this loss was so much so what do you really do at quarterback do you just run mitch back next year and say mitch you know this is your team you got one year left on your rookie deal let's see what we got with you we're capped out do you draft another quarterback with one of your first picks be it in the second round in the third round if they even have a third round or next year i'm not sure if they do do you try to sign a veteran free agent you're paying daniel six million Next year, do you let him be the starter? Do you try to find another veteran? Do you target a former highly touted player, maybe like Josh Rosen, who if the Dolphins get the first pick and two them, maybe he becomes expendable? Like, What the hell do you do? What's the pragmatic solution for this next year? Because I'm looking at these options and I'm seeing no good one.
1: In terms of quarterbacks that might be available or just what the yeah, like Bears what, might do what in what general? What can you do? Like, next year? Uh, so, I'm I'm just pulling it up right now, the 2020 NFL free agent uh, possibilities. Look, you're looking at guys who um, have run their way out of town with certain teams. I think you need to be looking at a guy like, and this just sucks. I don't even, like, this is going to hurt my feelings to say out loud. Marcus Mariota is a free agent after this season. Uh, Mark Helfrich, the Bears offensive coordinator, was his coach. Uh, knows him very well. And I think that's really what the Bears are going to be looking at, which is they don't have the cap room to outlay for anybody really big. They don't have the draft capital to be throwing things around and selecting somebody. You'd have to ask somebody else about drafting somebody in the late second round, because I definitely know who the top quarterbacks are that will be gone in the top half of the first round. But who is the developmental quarterback? you're going to pull it in the second round when the Bears are in a win-now mode in terms of the way they've structured their contracts. So, you know, I, I just don't see any options there. I think their best option, if you want to be, like, crazy about it, is for the Jacksonville Jaguars to decide that the mustache is their guy and that uh, Big Foles. Dick Nick is is, is available by, via trade. He makes a but huge
0: I, salary too, though.
1: That's like, the thing. I don't know that he can actually fit in, under the Bears' salary cap, given what they're trying to do.
0: And I wasn't looking for so much like specific names, like who do you want them to draft, who do you want them to sign. It's more just like, what is the path that would even make the most sense, even taking out... You know, the name's out of the equation. To me, the Bears seem like a team from the coaching perspective, from the wide receiver perspective, that just doesn't trust Trubisky whatsoever. Like, the wide receivers look fed up all game. Nagy's play calling reflects the fact that he doesn't trust Mitch. So it's like, you know, there has to be some other route. Maybe it's you make Daniel the starter at some point this year if they lose another game or two. Uh I mean, I don't know. I don't have any of the answers myself. If you could fix the Chicago Bears quarterback solution, you would be a a goddamn billionaire because this has been a problem for about 100 years, which is as long the Bears have been in existence. There's a reason the Bears' best quarterback of all time is considered Sid Luckman, who threw his first pass before World War II started. (laughs) It's like how... Like, nothing personifies the Bears better than us holding up... Goddamn Sid Luckman. It just like, it, it hurts my throat to even say it. So, you know, I have to
1: kind of like defend uh, Sid Luckman.
0: <laughs> Sid Luckman, yeah.
1: No, he's just like, a, he's a hell of a guy. And, you know, pre World War II, you have no idea what he dealt with. So, no, I think in terms of Ryan Pace, look, it's a 50 50 proposition selecting a quarterback. Every if you look at any pre-draft anything, Trubisky was at the top for you know not unanimously. There were people out there that like Deshaun Watson, but as a as a kind of a sweeping generalization, most people were on board with Trubisky and his tools as the number one quarterback off the board. There were other teams that wanted him. There were other teams that you know were putting out signs they were going to move up to get him, especially Cleveland, that sort of thing. So you know I can defend. The idea of, hey, this is a guy. We've identified him. We think he's the one. We're going to go get him. It hasn't worked out. I think the thing that they have to do now is accept the fact that he's regressed to the point that they need to bring in starting caliber competition for him next year and like what can they do under the salary cap to fit in a salary i'm looking right now at the possibilities there are possibilities there's Jameis winston there's Mariota. there's case keenum uh philip rivers is out of contract eli manning is out of contract teddy bridgewater is out of contract there are going to be guys out there that can be brought in and, and by the way chase daniel will be out of contract so so the bears the bears will be looking for a new uh, a new backup quarterback, one that they can fit within their system. And I think it's incumbent upon them going into next year to bring somebody to push Trubisky. The point is to push Trubisky. Like, so it's not like, hey, you're the starting quarterback, we gotta give it to you. Because I think we know what Chase Daniel is at this point, which is a game manager at best and a, a, a semi adequate backup quarterback at worst. Definitely not one you want to bring with you on the road. Definitely not one you want to bring when you can't run the fucking ball. So, that's really what the path forward is for the Bears: is to find a quarterback that can push Trubisky, they can fit under the salary cap, and then ditching a guy like Tyler Bray and using one of their draft picks on a uh, a developmental quarterback that they believe in. You know, hoping for another. You know, Minshew mustache ride. That's that's really the best thing they can do, and that is a needle thread to end all needle threads. So, what they really need is for uh, a lot of the guys on their on on the roster that have been paid that have heavy expectations on them to circle the wagons and start playing better football because there aren't a lot of options outside of that.
0: This is the type of game where it's like there's nothing to hang your hat on. It's all bad. Defense needs to be so much better. This is supposed to be the bread and butter of the team. They got no pass rush. They're not forcing any turnovers. Defense, trash. Offensive line, obviously horrible. Straight garbage. One of the worst in the entire NFL, I would wager. Offensive line, straight trash. Quarterback straight fucking trash. No running game whatsoever. Allen Robinson rules. The kicking game is good. <laughs> Everything else is bad. That's the takeaway from this Bears Saints game.
1: I think we've just for 40 minutes just said that exact sentence <laughs> like, like, like 62 different times. All right. So l- let's just do this in-, in our anger, in our sadness, in our frustration. Give me your prediction for next week against the Chargers.
0: Uh, Bears win. Why not? It'd be funny if they won, <laughs> right? <laughs> okay. They win or
1: they get right on a couple of things. I think these are two different questions. Is is it possible? Is it even reasonable to think that there are aspects of this that can be repaired at this point? Well, in
0: the, the defense, I feel like if they get a pass rush again, like that sets everything up, that sets up your field position on the other end. It sets up every, sets up everything. And they just didn't have a consistent push in the front seven this game. So I'd like to see them start with that and then just God, I feel like an SEC radio caller at this point, but run the dang ball. Try to establish the run with Montgomery. No kidding. You know, maybe. Maybe you get something going that way.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, for all the injuries that the Chargers do have, they have two premier edge rushers coming around the corners. I think it's incumbent upon the Bears to, even if they're failing to run the ball, even if it's three runs and a kick, you know (laughs) – I'm, I'm fine for like like so the Redskins today Bill Callahan <laughs> came out and ran the ball 10 straight times to start the game. that was the, that was his play calling sheet that was his opening game script. I say we take a page from the Bill Callahan Washington Redskins head coach uh book of coaching. let's just run the fucking ball for a half. I'm'm I'm to- like and trubisky can be one of the runners. I'm fine with that. I want I want straight running. I want like let's work out the kinks man. Let's do this thing until we find something. Like, let's, let's go for it because at this point, it's a gimmick finesse offense that sucks at the gimmicks and has no finesse. There you are. That's the Bears. <laughs>
0: Oh, man. Only a few yeah. weeks ago, we were so optimistic after that Vikings game. They were able to win the depth. Shined, yeah, and it just... that's
1: the crazy part. I think if this had happened on the road, I think if this hadn't happened off the bye, we would have talked ourselves into a couple of different excuses. But I really had a lot of faith and I mentioned it, you know, with the Saints guys that like the Bears defense plus Soldier Field equals death for the opposing team. So that was, you know. I can't say I was shocked that Trubisky couldn't deliver the football. I can't say I was shocked that they struggled to run the ball. I can say I was absolutely shocked at the way the Bears got absolutely whipped in the trenches once again. Their front seven, you know, one of the best in the league. Their ball hawk secondary, nothing. Big fat zero the whole game, and that is the part that I I just never saw coming.
0: I'm really upset about Nagy. It's hard to have confidence (laughs) in him moving forward, right? It's like, you know, is this guy still going to be the coach of the Bears two years from now? It's hard for me to say that after a performance like this. I think they'll probably give him a chance next year. We'll see what happens with the remainder of this season. But, uh, you know, entering this year, I really thought that he could be a foundational coach for the Bears, someone they could have for a long time, young guy, seemed like a brilliant offensive mind, seemed like someone who'd be able to learn from his mistakes and to adjust to other people's adjustments. It just hasn't happened. The offense is total zeros. You need to rebuild in the trenches first. You need to get the offensive line right. That's not going to be a quick fix. You need to you know, establish something at quarterback, whether it's Trubisky. Are you going to extend Trubisky? That would seem insane to me at this point. I just I just don't know what to do. I don't know what to say, Zach.
1: This is the uh, the game where, you know, this is the fight with your girlfriend where you question everything afterwards. You're like, "Ah, I don't know, man. Maybe it's just know. not going to work out. I, it, maybe this just isn't the one. Uh, yeah, it's feeling a little bit like that. So everything is a referendum, and you got to go all the way back and question every single aspect of things. And, you know, that's where things are. That And the Bears deserve this criticism. Obviously, they're going to have a hard time listening to this all week, uh, not just from us, but from literally every other media pundit, regional, national, you name it. They're going to have to circle the wagons and believe in one another. And, look, there's a lot of high-character guys on the team, They've won a lot in a, in a number of different instances, and they have that experience together last year. So there is reason to believe that they can find uh, the desire and the confidence to come back strong next week. But look, man, loser leaves town next week. The rubber hits the road. There are no excuses. There's no room left for anything. If the Bears come out of that game 3-4, and four, you can effectively look towards next season. So the stakes couldn't be higher. 3-3,
0: three and three, and like you said, it feels like they're 0-9. It's, hard to it's the find worst hope. 3-3
1: and record of all time. It really is. It's a bad 3-3 and record. So,
0: all right, uh, thanks for
1: listening to all of us ramble uh, and and kvetch and bitch and moan and complain and swear. I'd like to tell you that won't be happening next week, but I can't promise that. We'll see how the Bears play. Ricky, I appreciate you joining me. You're not going to be here next week, but we'll get you on again soon. This has been the Chicago Shuffle Podcast here on the Blue Wire Network. Make sure to listen to all of the great podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. I'm Zach Lee. That's Ricky O'Donnell. We'll see you soon.